Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive. Uh, And then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away, no minimum listenership, start getting that Anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard, and we are here to talk about an OU football win. Not just an ordinary football win. The first OU football win against a team that is in the D1, and it's Texas. That's right. The Sooners are back on the winning track here. We're here to talk about it. We couldn't be any happier. I'm your host, Bobby Howard, as I mentioned. With me today, as usual, my co-host, Jameson. My co-host, Ty. He's wearing the hat that is... Uh, post-it noted gold. Uh, shout out to all the YouTube uh, viewers. <laughs> Look, that was certainly um, one of the most interesting OU Texas's we've ever seen, both from an atmosphere perspective, uh, obviously from a game perspective, we've never seen an OU four-time overtime. We'll, we'll get into all that. Uh, one of the weirder OU games we saw, but at the end of the day, OU got the win. So, before we dive into the minutia of this game, Jameson, coming out of this, how do you feel? Honestly, I just feel relieved, to be completely honest. I mean, we can't talk about just being, like, we still blew a fourth quarter lead. I, I don't want to put us back down into the dirt, but things that we have been screwing up on consistently for the past two games, we still did, and we just got bailed out. We ch- we gave Texas every opportunity to win that game, and they didn't. But all in all... That was a huge, huge momentum, big win for us because if we would have dropped that after, maybe after the Burkich missed field goal or blowing the 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, this team's mood for the rest of the season, couldn't. we thought it couldn't get much worse. It would be absolutely in the down pits, and there would be nothing really much that we could get out of it with. So that was really, really neat. Our backup was up against the wall going to those overtimes when we got the win. So honestly, relief. It's a matter of like, look, if you have a toddler, a two-year-old who can kind of walk but stumbles a bit, you're proud of them. But if you have like a 10-year-old who like can walk normally and just can't walk, just randomly decides to fall over, you know, that's not great. You know, Um, so you know what? We got to give credit to this OU team because, yeah, you know what? they, They had a lot of mistakes. But you know what? They're still just learning to walk. And the impressive things about them is they took a massive, massive amount of haymakers, made a lot of mistakes, but they responded. They stayed calm. And I think there's a lot, of, a lot to be proud from this, but um, there's a lot to definitely be uh, critical about for sure. Ty, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I, I felt good pretty much the whole game. Um, you know, after the first – Probably the first two or three drives, it was, it was, uh, we were feeling pretty good. And I thought, you know, if we can hold this, 
just this amount of caring and this sort of momentum and staying in the game the whole time, I felt that we would win. And even even blowing the lead and, and going into overtime when the momentum, I guess in theory, was on Texas's side. I didn't get the vibe from from our players or personally that uh, we were going to lose that game. And I, I actually disagree. I thought we were going to lose that game. Right <laughs> yeah. Up until the, yeah. right, look, right up into that Trey Brown interception, I thought we were screwed. Uh, I, I will say when Burkich was teeing up, I thought we won it. But then again, I, I, even there, that that was – I that play call right there. Uh, I mean, I don't know, but and we'll, we'll and get that's into hindsight. That's hindsight, yeah. bro. That, second that's no, before before he kicked it, I was like second and ten. Like we're not gonna. It's a preseason. It's a preseason All American, man. Like, come on, you don't, well, you've never if, seen him shank. Well, what if second and ten they fumble or second and ten it's an interception? Then we're over here talking about why the hell aren't you just kicking it if you're that close with Burkich? Yeah, that that was well, that was the we, move. But now we know that that's not the move. I don't know about that, uh, and we we can get into that in a in a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just look if this was if, if OU was like three and zero and we were rolling and this is a team we're talking about national championship caliber. Yeah, I, I think we're disappointed, but we're not in that position. We we just need to be happy with this win. It's a win over Texas. You know, we brought Texas back down into the mud with us. Uh, I'm very okay with this. Like, I, I I was super better after we blew that fourth quarter lead, but and the entire time I was watching that in the Cotton Bowl, I'm just like, this is miserable. This ruined everything. Even if we win, it'll be horrible. <laughs> yeah, no, the second Trey Brown picked that off, I'm having a great time. I leave the Cotton Bowl drinking frozen ranch waters. I'm having a blast. It's, it's it beating Texas was the perfect elixir to turn this season around. So. <laughs> Let's talk about what the hell happened. And first of all, let's let's just get down to probably one of our biggest weakest weaknesses this season turned out to be one of our biggest strengths, the running game. Uh, mainly headlined by TJ Pledger, the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, shocking for us. Uh, we didn't mention it on the last podcast because the news hadn't come out yet. Uh, Seth McGowan, our favorite bell cow running back out for the game, but Pledger stepped up really well in his uh, absence, 131 yards, two touchdowns on 22 attempts, uh, chipping in two receptions for 24 yards as well. Sure, he had an unfortunate fumble, but overall, very solid player for the Sooners. Uh, Jameson, are you surprised with what you saw to TJ Pledger? Yeah, um, I feel like the game was kind of coming at him slower. I, I felt like he was making good reads um, with gaps to go up. He looked like he was more in control. Um, the running game really, really needed that because Marcus Major, once again, was not getting much other than his touchdown that he got. You know, that would so let's, yeah, look at this tie. So 12, carry, 12 carries for 43 yards with a 21 yard touchdown, right? So you take that away, and what does he got? 11 carries, you know, for 22 yards. I understand that every run matters, but still, that's two yards per carry and all the other yards. I mean, that, that's not going to fly whenever, especially our offensive line stepped it up. So, like, TJ Pledger really did well. He averaged six yards per carry. And like I said, he, like, it seemed like he wasn't too, like, he, he actually was comfortable back there. 
Yeah, and I, I felt like he had an excellent burst of speed. He was patient. He knew when to hit when he needed a hit. Um, excellent performance. Uh, Ty, thoughts on Pledger and Major? Yeah, I think I think uh, going back to what Jameson said about just how Pledger looked, and it's something you know that oh, we'll avoid right now. But I think it goes into the, the quarterback play as well, and and sort of the offense as a whole was. It looks like we just got him to calm down and just do the basics. Like, don't try to get a big play. Just find your gap, get in there, and, you know, just execute basics. Don't try to panic. Don't try to go too quick. Don't try to, like, be a hero on every play. And it looked like we got that a little bit more uh, out of him. Obviously, there's a more significant example of that coming up. But that's that's what I saw. I agree with Jameson's assessment. Yeah, okay, wait. So I screwed I screwed up. So his 21-yard run wasn't his touchdown. He had a seven-yard touchdown. But still, like, he's not being consistent. He's not getting a lot of yards per carry. Um, Seth McGowan being out hurts. Um, Ramondre's only got, what, one more game left of suspension, and then we get him back. So um, he was uh, out for five, five games, right? So I think it's um, six. So we it, it was – was it six? Um, I think it's then he took the bowl game. It was six total, and I oh, believe, yeah, yeah. yeah, the bowl, yeah, mm-hmm. the bowl game so, counts out as one. So I we forgot. we lose him for TCU, and then he should be back after that, which is going to be really needed. Um, but if you get McGowan back and Pledger keeps it up, we should be all right versus TCU on the run game. Absolutely, absolutely, and this bye week really helps for sure. Uh, Jameson, what do you think about the O line today or Saturday? <laughs> That game was so long that it's still going. Um, yeah, honestly, that O-line looked so much better. Um, Swinson trotted out that first drive, and I was absolutely furious. It's like insanity. They keep doing the same thing over and over, and I can know for sure Beaton Bow doesn't think that he's the best offensive lineman. He's a smart coach. He knows what he's doing. He's got to see how bad it is. And so we, we're driving down the field, doing really good on the first try, and there's one play. Joseph Asai just works, Swinson, just absolutely works him. He took him, grabbed him up, and just legitimately threw him to the side and got Spencer Rattler. Um, Frazzle moved up into the pocket, and, you know, we had plenty of time all across the other offensive line. Anton Harrison comes in. Joseph Asai, you didn't hear his name nearly as much. Everyone else played solid. I did not see too many, like, really just – punch in the air, get mad um, at our guards for getting too many uh, legitimately that happens, uh, too many holding penalties, yeah. too many false starts. Uh, honestly, it was solid. Whenever you don't hear their names and you can't really think of something off the top of your head, you know the offensive line did good. That's how it works. You don't want to hear your name on the offensive line. And honestly, I, I was really happy to see them finally step up, and that's what I said. If OU is going to win this game, the offensive line is going to have to step up. Absolutely, and like the only reason – I, I think the only reason, like, uh, my mind went to it on my notes with the O-line was the fact we had a guy in TJ Pledger who has been very insignificant this uh, season really go off. Uh, so you have to attri- attribute some of that to the O-line uh, switching things up. And they kind of shorted it up as the game went on. Um, and mainly talking about, you know, shoring up and, you know, steadying everything, especially on the offense – we have to talk about Spencer Rattler, who had a pretty rough start. Uh, obviously, a, a kind of tough pick um, against, uh, you, you know, a little early on um, to start the game. 
tough read with that uh, D lineman back, uh, you know, stepping back in the coverage, just missed him. And then the second, um, I guess, technically an interception, just a lot of pressure. Ball flew out of his hands right into the ground. It was a fumble. It was, was yeah. it a fumble. Did it hit the yeah. ground? I, I, I could never no, tell. It, it didn't. It wasn't thrown. Yeah, it was a strip that went up in the air on the backwards movement of his arm. Yeah, he, that that's more of a you know arm movement sort of thing. But either way, rough start. Rattler gets pulled. We get to see a little bit of Mordecai. Calms it down. Uh, but Rattler, you know, hey, some people thought he was injured. At least in our end, we thought they were checking him. Uh, comes up, comes back for the second, does well. Uh, I really feel like this was a educational game for Spencer. Uh, I think he grew up a lot, and we'll talk about his performance and uh, over time as we uh, progress. But Ty, uh, what did you like out of Spencer? How did you think this whole, I guess, progression went for him? Uh, and what do you think about the move of bringing in Mordecai? Yeah, so I I liked the uh, I liked the Mordecai move. I'm not super super concerned about him. I I didn't really you know dislike any of his play either. He uh, he goes out there and he does what we need Spencer to do and what I think Spencer learned to do, and that was be a part of the offense, not try to be the offense. And that's what Spencer has always done is he he tried to be the offense and he's tried to you know be that that hero quarterback on every play and then he also tries to force things and and in listening to his post game uh and then hearing you know what riley's been telling him is you know let the offense work for you and work with it and and you know make your reads don't try to force things and just slow down and, and pay attention and that was something that he had mentioned that he started doing in the you know, the later half of the game, and you really saw the difference there. Absolutely. And I, I think he really he really started, you know, uh, seeing the game as it is, and it it was necessary. And I, I think it was a huge wake-up call, as I mentioned earlier, and as you mentioned there. Jameson, your thoughts on Radler's first Red River and uh, his, I guess, learning experience. Yeah, I mean, that interception he had was tough. You know, that's that's just a rookie mistake. Um, not seeing the coverage, just kind of throwing it to a spot. The guy who's supposed to see and the guy read it. Here's the deal. I am not of the crowd that thinks that Mordecai should have stayed in the game and kept on being our quarterback. The people that are mad at Spencer Rattler turning the ball over too much, there is no shot, and I will stand by this, that we would have won that game, even though we are doing pretty well, without Spencer Rattler as the quarterback. Tanner Mordecai... He is good, but he's not going to make those wild plays. He's not going to really win you a game. He's going to try to keep you um, steady and solid, and that's what you cannot have as an OU quarterback. OU quarterback, you said it, he's trying to be like the offense. You've got to be that in Lincoln Riley system. You have to. That's how we succeed, and especially um, we got lucky this week because the run game is on, but you've got to right now whenever our run game has been weak in the past. So Spencer Rattler has got to be our quarterback. I, I don't want to hear people calling for his head. And after his overtime performance, you honestly, I, I, I don't think there's any legitimacy behind any argument for Mordecai. Uh, absolutely, and I think what I think what time meant, and I think what a lot yeah, of no, I, 
Well, well I, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't referencing Utah at all. I, I'm saying there's people around me. There's, you know, some mm-hmm. people are just like, we should just keep Mordecai in the game. Like, look at him. He hasn't turned the ball over five, seven. And I'm like, come on, chill. Like, come on, let's, let's be real here. Like Mordecai <laughs> I, ain't going to go out and win us the Red River rivalry. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. What I, what I think you was saying, well, I don't want to speak for him, but um, what I kind of gleaned from it is like, yeah, Spencer makes a lot of risks. He makes a lot of risky throws. And I don't think I saw a single risky throw after he came back, um, you know, after that benching or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was patient. It was solid. Um, and I, I think that's the issue is he needs to be the focal point of the offense, but he doesn't need to try to force it into these like triple coverage situations. That's not a good quarterback, you know, well, making yeah. these crazy intense passes that, you know, just kind of work out for you. doesn't mean you do it right. You know? And I, I, I think Radler, the most impressive thing I saw, like you said, that overtime performance speaks for itself. Mordecai doesn't do that. Mordecai doesn't make those throws. Uh, you know, a couple of those beelines to Stogner or that incredible touch pass to uh, Drake Stoops to end the game. You know, I don't know if Mordecai can throw some of those throws. I do not know if he has that. No. That is what you, that is the Spencer Rattler experience when he is calm, when he's collected. And frankly, I, I'm impressed that he was able to pull that off because entering that, that overtime period, I did not think he had the composure or the maturity to make those throws. I knew he had the arm for it, but I didn't know if he had the decision making and the and you know the instinct to do that. But he absolutely proved that he can do that if he can keep his composure, keep that attitude we saw in the fourth, for sure. And speaking of attitude, I just want to say it would have been absolutely so easy if we saw the Spencer Rattler from QB. The Spencer Rattler we saw in QB one would have melted down after getting pulled out of OU Texas, but he's, he kept it together. He came out and put, put together the best quarter we've seen him. Absolutely. The best quarter we've seen him this season in the uh, second, sorry, second half. So um, yeah, I'm very impressed with him. Very impressed with him. No, Um, I I agree with, with what you said about his, his personality. Cause that, that had been a concern of mine was, you know, I, that, that uh, benching him for Mordecai, if he wasn't injured in any way or didn't need, you know, something like that, I would have assumed that with his personality or what we thought it was going to be, that that would have just been the absolute worst thing, like counterproductive. Um, but it, it seemed to really, really work. I, I will say that I also did notice, and I think that this can't be discounted as – at least a factor in his improvement in play. There was absolutely a hundred percent some changes made to the receiver progression and who was going to be the primary receiver in the first look on plays. Specifically, I think with um, Mims and and uh, Rambo getting swapped, and I think that that made a significant. I think Mims should be our first look guy on most plays. Stogner was still our leading receiver. Um, which is, you know, still not great. Uh, he's playing tremendously, but it's, you know, in, in the Lincoln-Riley offense, it is a very, you know, tight end heavy uh, passing offense, but the tight end should never be, especially like, you know, I think this is the the uh, fourth week in a row. I think every single game he's been our leading receiver, and that's not 
okay. That's that's on the receivers. Absolutely, and that's a perfect segue into our receiver uh, receiver segment. Uh, Big Stog, uh, six receptions, fifty six yards. I thought he was solid in overtime. Was very reliable. But um, again, he is our leading receiver this season. He leads in uh, targets. I believe leads in receiving yards. Don't want to, you know, don't write me down for that. But I know for sure he leads in uh, targets. Uh, his efforts in overtime were absolutely undeniable. Eleven yard touchdown on third and eight. You know, in OT one, twenty two open yard gain to uh, or twenty two yard gain to open OT two set us up for that uh, goal line touchdown. In general, he was just a reliable receiver. But again, you know, we're su- we're supposed to have guys like Mims and uh, Weiss, you know, kind of open things up. I will say Weiss did a lot better. Eight receptions, fifty-two yards, got a lot of burn in the third. Uh, had that huge uh, you know, two-point conversion. Um, but I agree. I think you need to step it up, Jameson. How are you feeling about our receivers? I'm just gonna say this. Um... I, I don't want to keep on disagreeing with y'all, but I'm really disappointed in Stogner. Stogner is not being constant. He like he's really talented, but he is dropping the ball way too much. There's been a pivotal drop, I think, the past three games from him. Um, and if that one yeah. that could have closed the game in fourth quarter, that just hurts. And once you're a guy that is a consistent dropper of the football, once you're Nelson Aguilar, it gets in your head. And it continues to happen over and over. And it concerns me. Thank God he had that big, you know, like, I'm going to take it over. You play and um, overtime is touchdown. He needed that for his confidence moving forward. But I was really, really angry about his drops because I think he had two this game because he had the one in one of them in overtime where Spencer was rolling out. Um, and I think at Henderson wide open on the left side and he threw a tough ball to the, to the middle end zone. I forget which overtime this was. Um, and Stogner dropped it there again. I, I honestly, come on, man. Come on, we we need well, more catches. Yeah, I that one was that one was behind him. I know, but that but that one, the one at the end of the fourth, that's that's tough. That is legitimately you catch it, it's over. That yeah. that hurts. Well, that's, and this and, and it's not like he hasn't dropped before. And I'm not saying he's not a good receiver. He's great. He's so good at body positioning. He's a great blocker. You know, he's like the tight end you want. But he's dropping consistently. The one at the two minute mark of the fourth quarter was unacceptable that was that was some surge about like Kendrick Perkins stone hands yeah. type of drop uh Ty I, what, what what do you what do you have to say about this no I was I was just gonna say I I don't think we disagree Jameson that's what I was saying is he he is our most consistent guy and like you just pointed out he's not consistent at all so I'm not I'm not trying to slight him I mean he was not you know the guy that we would you know a couple of years ago have been expecting to even be starting at tight end this year he's he's not um, you know, a world-class dude. No, he's tremendous, uh, but no no disrespect to him, but he should not be our most consistent leading uh, receiver. And, and consistent, you know, has to do with getting open and putting in effort on every play because he's a tight end. So he's when he's not, um, you know, a receiver on the play, he's out there blocking against like linebackers. The, the effort that's required from our receivers is so much less than what's required of a tight end and he's out there, you know, consistently at least putting in effort and getting open. And that that's that was what I was saying with with Stogner is he's he's good, he's not great, and he absolutely should not be by any metric our leading receiver. And I just I just checked, he is our leading receiver on the season uh, for both looks and yards. So it's 
it's unacceptable. And it's not, it's not on him. He's giving his 100% every time. He's just not that guy. It's on the other receivers. And I, I'll excuse Mims because he is, you know, 18, 19 years old. Like, he has played four college games ever. You're going to expect him to not be, you know, super great, but absolutely disappointing, I think. Terrible play by the rest of the receivers outside of Drake Soups as well because he shouldn't be out there as a starting receiver. And honestly, my my opinion on what happened receiver wise is that everyone shared the wealth. I I believe it or not, everyone. I'm taking an optimistic point of view here. Uh, I think every everyone kind of shared the wealth. I thought uh, Mims had a solid game. You know, I would have loved to see him more involved. Only four receptions, but 52 yards. That really solid touchdown. I think a lot of that, obviously, you know, great route running, great play design, wide open, uh, but a tough throw by Rattler. Um, and again, on a special teams note, uh, 36 yard return. I thought that was very solid. Um, so I, I, I don't, yeah, I would like to see a guy break out. I, I agree because it, we, we, we have a balance and I just, I just want to see someone blow up. It just seems weird to not have a wide receiver at OU and not be the guy we haven't had a. I mean, shoot, when was the last time we had a mediocre uh, wide receiving core that didn't have a single guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess 2008 with Joaquin Iglesias, I guess? It's still, there's nothing like this no, right because I think they were way overshadowed by, like, DeMarco Murray. Yeah, I mean, it was – and even Iglesias is solid. You know, you had Sam Bradford to carry the weight. And, you know, freshman year, Broyles, it just – uh, yeah. I mean, that that's the only year I can think of where we didn't have like one guy who can absolutely house it at any moment. When uh, I'm not even expecting one dude, because it's when you go back, uh, what is that? I think two years when we had um, Hollywood and, and CD both, it was, I don't, I, a lot of people thought that Hollywood was the lead. I was really big on CD from the start. Um, you know, obviously, you know, anyone that you can roll the tapes back on the schooner blog. And I was super, I was like, he's the best receiver on the team. Uh, and it's cause you get that constant effort from him. You got constant effort from him on every play. And I think just personality wise, these, most of the receivers that we have right now, besides Stogner, Mims and Stoops don't give you a hundred percent effort on a hundred percent of the plays, including That's... plays where they're going and not just blocking plays, including plays where they're going out there to catch the ball. You Rambo is not a dude that is going to give you any more than like 50% effort on all, but like four or five plays excluding special teams. And I see it from the same dudes. Cause when you go back and look at their catches, they're not getting open. They're getting catches because of blown coverage. They're not working for it. Mims works for it. Um, and he just needs to improve. Rambo can work for it and does sometimes, but not anywhere close to even consistently. That's what I don't like. I think that's solid. I just don't know if we have a guy out there. But again, we're missing. No, I don't you know, think we're all this year, but we're, we're missing two five stars. So, Jameson, what, what's your thought on that before we move on to our offensive MVP? Yeah, it's got to be Weiss. Um, he's got to be the guy that steps up. I had a bad take thinking Rambo's going to be the next guy, second or third round pick this year. Like you said, I just don't see that drive in him. Um, I took for the word of so many people, it said like, his high in high school, one of the most underrated people at the wide receiver position that you'll ever see. Um, people just keep on talking big about him, and 
he hasn't showed up, but we got to be that guy. He made a lot of great, you know, like first down conversions this game. He didn't have many chunk plays, many star plays, but he made a lot of plays that we needed. Um, so, yeah, I honestly, I, I think we has got to be that guy that you're talking about. But all in all, you know, if we have a, a committee of four or five guys that are it just every game, you'll get a 100 yard two touchdown game from one of the five. That's not horrible. That's not, that's yeah. not a bad, that's not a bad offense, but no, we've yeah. been really spoiled in the, in the past. Absolutely. Uh, I agree with well, that. And I think they're improving and, and stepping up more. Yeah. All right. So quick fire. Cause we're, you know, still we're, we're going pretty, pretty slow here. Uh, Ty, who is your uh, offensive game ball for the game? Oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to say. I got to go Spence. That just getting pulled out in his personality, but then seeing what he has matured into now and recovering from that and coming out better than, you know, we could have hoped for. I got to give it to him for that. You know, ignore the stats, ignore everything else. His poise and his ability to take a breath and execute after he was pulled out. I can't, yeah, I, that could be a pivotal moment in his, you know, career. That could have gone from him being a, a bust in, at the college level to being what people expected him to be or expected he, him to be. He really could have gone Tatham there, but he didn't. And, you know, yeah, that's he, it, that was the moment. That was the decision point. I, I honestly, he, he could have gone Tate Martell right there in that moment, or he could have gone, you know, who knows what his ceiling is. I think we could go ahead and like trademark the uh, that was the, that was the Tate tipping point. That was the t- that was the point where he could have tipped into Tate territory and just decided not to. So, um, hey, I like that take. I like that take a lot, Jameson. Uh, who do you think is your offensive MVP? It's Spencer Rattler, exactly like you said, um, Ty. It's the way he played in overtime. He either put us in a position to win or came back from a touchdown down in every, all four of the overtimes. You know, Texas started off the ball, scored a touchdown the first, um, came back, got a touchdown. Second overtime, we got a touchdown. Then they got another one back. Third third overtime, we got it in the position for a kick for the win. Missed it. And then the fourth overtime, he got that um, Drake Stoops throw and then the two-point conversion. That's, that's near perfect from a quarterback standpoint in overtime. There's really nothing much more you can ask from somebody – um, so I think it's far and away, definitely, he is the offensive MVP. Well, I'm not going to lie. I was going to pick Rattler myself, or but because I thought someone, like, I thought the peanut gallery was going to all go with uh, uh, Pledger here. But uh, in that case, I'm going to flip. Pledger is definitely, I think, the MVP. He was steady. He was solid. And allowed our quarterbacks figure their, their mess out. And, uh, I mean, Guy put up numbers. Big 12 agrees with me. Uh, clearly the most uh, competent organization of all time, the Big 12. Uh, <laughs> so, hey, I got I got Bob Bowlesby on my side, you know, so both of y'all are clearly wrong. Can we, can we just, yeah, can we just do a, a quick pause? You know that you're only picking him because both of us picked Rattler. Oh, I literally just admitted it. Okay. Just for the record, you honestly believe that Rattler is the MVP. I I was going to pick Rattler because I thought I was going to be like the contradictory pick to y'all picking Pledger or something, or to mix it up. But instead, my contradictory pick turned out to be the consensus pick. So now I'm just going to go with the pick I thought was actually the best. So 
Yeah. Counterculture, Bobby. Uh, it's like a triple counter. It's like a triple counter. But either way, I, I love the Rattler pick. I, lo- I, I think Pledger also is solid. But um, let's move on to the defense. So, look, I, so much of what happens in a game is defined by the ending. This is a, uh, This was a solid defensive performance that was absolutely soiled by the last five minutes and 36 seconds. And obviously a little bit of iffy overtime play, but um, let's just kind of get into it. So this was a defensive team that I thought was a solid brick wall on Ellinger or non-Ellinger rushing uh, Texas. The only way a running back could actually get anything on us is if they threw it to him in the flats. Uh, Yeah, Ellinger kind of got out there a bit, but – Every time Ellinger was masquerading, masquerading as an actual quarterback, we got a lot of pressure to him. Um, once again, uh, this is, I believe, the second time ever in OU Texas history that we have had five sacks on a Texas quarterback. Uh, second time, or first time we've ever had back-to-back, sorry. Um, and Ty, you and I were at the game together, and I believe at a moment uh, there was a moment where you said, you know, Grinch really gets how to – Get at Ellinger. What what are your what's your kind of thoughts thought process on that and how our linebackers are playing our pressure on Ellinger? What do you think about that? I just think it, it looked like one that we were getting a lot more effort than usual from our our defensive players, which is big. Um, and I'm I'm really big on sort of you know like managed expectations, I guess. So I, I'm a lot harsher on the guys that are supposed to be super tremendous and, you know, a lot easier on the guys that aren't, you know, look at my receiver takes like Drake Stoops is like a walk on whose dad was a former coach. Like it's, and he's like five, seven, like obviously the, the ceiling and the expectations for him are not the same as like a five star dude that was supposed to be, you know, the next, um, whoever. But I think schematically with Grinch, we were really dialed in. And our linebacker play, especially because they're not, they're dudes that we don't expect to be world class. Um, but their ability to get pressure in our D line as well, their ability to get, get pressure on Ellinger because he was constantly under pressure. And even just, even when he wasn't, our ability to just really move that Texas O line around and uh, give him a smaller space or make him move and make decisions was tremendous. And and that's what I really think made the key difference there. Jameson? Yeah, um, I think that whenever you hold a team like Texas, who has a very veteran offense with a quarterback that is shown to produce a lot of points, to 17 points with three minutes left in the game is a win. But the problem is you can't leave out those three minutes. The three minutes we crumbled and collapsed and were we playing too safe were we just trying to hold on to the lead and that's why we gave up a lot of points that could be a factor in it but you shouldn't crumble like we just did but all in all we had turnovers throughout the game we had you know we had two in um, regular time and we had one in overtime which is great three turnovers in a game we should be very happy with um we had a lot of players that stepped up that um that you don't usually see often step up other than, okay, I, I thought Isaiah Thomas once again, even though he didn't get many tackles, I feel like he's extremely disruptive. David Uguaybu, dude, like he he's arguing to be a starting linebacker on this team, honestly. 
really, really great performance out of him. And then Woody Washington, you know, um, we'll hit all those later, but what do we got guys stepping up that you wouldn't think that would step up. And that's what you need in a big rivalry game. David Uguagabu, the uh, special teams player of the week for the Big 12 for his blocked punt. Uh, excellent specialty. We need, to bring back, we need to bring back the Beamer ball talk for this one because uh, it was as good as it's ever been. Uh, but in, in general, the defense, I feel like if we're, if we're talking about you know the uh, 17 points. Uh, 10 of those were off short field mistakes by the offense. Uh, other than that, Texas only had one drive of more than 50 yards in their first three quarters. The other uh, drives, um, Texas led a 60-yard drive, interception in the end zone. So, hey, you can't fault the defense for that. You know, solid job locking down there. But from there, uh, you have that uh, really long drive where you have an Ellinger 20-yard run. Pat Fields' defensive holding sets them up for a touchdown. Then, you know, get the ball back. Another Ellinger long long run. Um, you know, they get a holding penalty negated by uh, a 19-yard pass immediately after. Then guess what? Pat Fields, another pass interference, brings them right back down to, um, you know, the one-yard line, and it's a touchdown for Texas. So the amount of issues we've had with penalties, it just – it, it just doesn't change. This is the third straight week we've had issues with it. And look, I, I like Pat Fields. He seems like a good guy, but every time it's number 10. What like what what do you gotta say about that, Jameson? How do you fix the defensive backs? Does Pat Fields even have a place out there? Honestly, I don't care if he's a leader on the field. I don't care if he's a captain. He's one of our two captains, you know, on this team. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. You can't stick with it. We played a little bit of Trey Norwood in the game. And even though I don't think Trey Norwood's the answer at safety, it looked a little bit better. Pat Fields, man, it's it's those penalties are racking up, and it, that is just too much. He made Buki's game get forgotten, and Buki had a penalty and a stupid just run into the freaking punt. Like I don't care if like he gave like a half ass fair catch and you're just gonna blow him up. That's stupid play. That is 15 yards right there. Um, but getting back to Pat Fields, we got to find a replacement. Obviously, um, we feel like Bryson Washington is not in the position right now where he knows enough um, through co- um, COVID contact tracing to where he feels comfortable enough in this defense. Trey Norwood, like I said, you know, he's going to be solid. You're just going to have to take a go, Trey Norwood, for his safety moving forward. Pat Fields is not the option. Woody Washington should be a starting cornerback on this team. Hands like, signed, sealed, delivered. It's done. He legitimately switched from safety, moved to cornerback last game, the game before Texas. And then he got he, he made a couple bad okay plays, but you know, like he was ironing some wrinkles out. And then he came out and played a stellar game and a great interception, exactly what you asked for in a Grinch defense in this game. Um, yeah, I, honestly, Trey Brown made the big play at the end of the game, but I think Woody Washington should take over Trey Brown's spot. I, I um, Jane Davis, uh, while he doesn't make as many big plays as Trey Brown does, he it's you don't hear his name as much. He is solid. Um, he gets the job done. Um, so I think Trey Brown probably should get the bench to Woody Washington. I'm not sure if it'll happen from what we know with Grinch and his ideology. Um, he doesn't bench players very easily. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that there needs to be some changes. Thoughts on uh, Cruden Corner alum Joshua Eaton getting in? 
Oh my gosh! Yeah, he got he got a lot of run out there, and you know, here's the deal with him. He, he, there was there were a couple plays where I just scratched my head, and I think he was scratching his too, where he really didn't know what he was doing. He, there there was some some things where he was running into our own guys, you know, like he didn't know how to space the field on the zone. There's definitely some things he needs to work on. But whenever you see six foot two and you see Texas roasting our cornerbacks, probably should take a chance and. You know what? Why not? I applaud him. I applaud Grinch for doing that because that's exactly what I wanted him to do. Um, and even though he didn't play well enough to keep in the game moving forward, it was worth a shot. It's exactly what we talked about last week, you know, getting some of that youth movement in. Because you know what? We're, you know, we can't do losses. We're probably not getting in the playoff um, unless some madness happens. So, you know, why not get guys in? Ty, what do you think about, you know, integrating some of these younger guys? Uh, into the cornerback position, you know, getting some of the larger gentlemen out there to, uh, you know, place, get some burn. Yeah. I mean, it would be one thing if any, literally anyone in our secondary, and this was, Oh my God, one of the coldest takes ever. When I said that our secondary was going to be the one solid part of the defense. Um, But it would be different if literally anyone in the secondary was at least consistent uh, but none of them are. So I don't like there's no downside to getting dudes that are going to be here longer, um, more plays. I, I do have to say for the secondary, we got to shut out Buki for most improved. He went from like one or two tackles uh, this game. He had four. None of them were solo, but he's moved up to number eight on the, the defense out of the 11 that start um, in tackling. So Good on Buki for being eighth in tackling because uh, he's supposed to be our best defender. Um, but, yeah, I would love to see some of these these younger guys out here because we saw some tremendous promise from them, and they need game time to learn. And so let's give it to them. I mean, we're already – this season's already done. We've already ruined it. So let's make this a developmental season. That's my take on it. Soiled it. Okay, let's give our defensive MVP before we wrap this up. Move on to the Big Eight, a new segment I have. So, Jameson, uh, I'll have you start. I'll go Woody Washington. Um, I think, like I said earlier, he feel he feels like he earned the spot at cornerback, and he made a great interception on the on the ball where he actually went and made the play. Um, Trey Brown, his interception was great, you know, but like that was an overthrown ball, and he was just in the right spot and um, came off his man to the interception. Woody's was he stuck with the guy and he high pointed the ball on a go route. That was great. Yeah. We need those plays. I'm with you. I'm not going to be contrarian here. It's Woody. The guy was an absolute uh, game changer on the defense. This guy needs to be playing. Ty, who do you think? Um, I also like. I also like Woody Washington. I really liked um, Ogawebu as well. But I'm. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go with Turner Yell. I. He just had a good overall game. I think. I thought wasn't perfect, but. It was better than what he's done before, and uh, it's something that we need. And if we're going to be honest, Turner Yell – No, no, hold on. I'm listening to you because Turner Yell also probably had the most gifable moment of the entire game when he held the ball out to the, you know, Silver Spur, whatever the hell they call it, Texas, and backed it up. That 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 is a great gif right there. And, you know, obviously played great on the defense, but awesome moment. That was hilarious. So Probably the one clip from this game that we know is going to make it on 
you know, OU Texas hype videos for years to come. For sure. For I sure. think, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for listening for so long, but we are here to break down the big eight miscellaneous things about this game. Rapid fire style. So let's start with number one. And of course, it it's the Scooter Pod, so we're going to make it about us. Our predictions were absolutely fire when it came to who was going to be the star of this thing. So, you know, I kind of talked about Trey Brown, you know, getting revenge on Ellinger. Obviously had his last word in the Red River. Let's knock on wood, hope we don't run into them in the Big 12 championship, which is unlikely anyways, because both of us are garbage. Uh, and then Drake Stoops, like Ty said, got a game winner. Guys, game how do we feel? Touchdown, let's go. I know that there was the extra point that is, you know, oh, cool, we got the pick. So it wasn't the game-winning thing, but it's – or the the, the two. Uh, but, yeah, game-winning touchdown or final touchdown that we won by, by Drake Stoops. Love to see it. Also mm-hmm. super cool in Red River when Stoops does something good. Because you have both the OU side going stoops and the Texas side booing, and it just sounds like it even louder stoops. That's true. James? I didn't get my bookie pick six. I was kind of saying that facetiously last week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, honestly, it, it was these were some great stories that actually came true. Um, you know, because we were just kind of picking what would sound cool, and it actually happened. No, hey, hey, two. For I knew three that, on- I knew that he's our best receiver. That's why I picked him. Look, two for three on classic storylines. I'm going with it. All right, <laughs> number two, the atmosphere. Uh, all three of us were there. Obviously, a weird situation, but in general, hey, I liked the state fair atmosphere. I thought it was like a fun, condensed version without the crowds, without the BS. Uh, obviously prefer the uh, original, you know, non-diet version of OU Texas. But, hey, you got the Fletchers in the stadium. How was that on a thing before, for one? I guess the lines would be too bad. But, uh, in general, great time. I I liked it a lot. It was as good as it could get in uh, post-COVID world. So, what do y'all think? Yeah, y'all y'all said it only took you a couple minutes to get through that Fletcher's line. That was miserable for me. I went and like like it was like two minutes left to go in the, in the second half. I could still see the game from the line, so I got to see Mordecai just a dink and duck and throwing six yard passes. Um, but uh, I sat in that line for like twenty five minutes. Man, it was miserable. It was absolutely miserable. I can't even imagine if there's seventy five percent more people in there. They'd have to put so many more Fletchers in there and. It's just not viable to have like five Fletcher stands inside of the Cotton Bowl. You know, I don't know if how much money um, the Cotton Bowl they'd have to pay the Cotton Bowl to do that too. You know, because Cotton Bowl is going to kind of want to plug their own concession stands and stuff. But still, like, oh man, that was so nice to have a Fletcher's corn dog. Um, not have to worry about getting it before the game. Um, honestly, it was just really relaxing, nice, not worrying about too much. I still got to hear big text tell me to do this and that. Um, it, it felt good. Hey, there's never been a more important time for big text to tell you to wash your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got to say. Uh, Ty, your thoughts on uh, – because, you know, you've experienced OU Texas with, you know, full strength, without – how do you feel? I loved it. I, I It was like a tiny, like – it was like a small town, like atmosphere at the fair – you know, very small, only people going to the game. Like I, I know, um, Bobby, we just, we were coming at the same time. We both just ran into each other. Um, 
before we even got into, you know, like playing phone tag and everything else. And then we went and stood in line for maybe, maybe three minutes, got some beers and, uh, you know, texted Jameson, walked over and I, we were able to, you know, just look around for like 30 seconds and see him, you know, like a hundred, 200 feet away uh, and walk right over there, get some more beers. We were able to go through beer lines like three or four times before the game with no weight. Uh, able to go right in the game, and then you know, the, having a Fletcher's corn dog in the game and sitting there and watching the game was super, super cool. I, I will say, Jameson, Fletcher's is not responsible for your poor ability to plan when you're going to go get a corn dog, because obviously, like it, when Bobby and I went, it was great. We went, you know, I think right around the end of the first quarter, or something like that, and, and we're able to blow through. But uh, that was a good if they if they just had a TV sort of in that little nook where the concession stand was mm-hmm. a little bit as bad. Uh, definitely something that they need to work on. But yeah, I I enjoyed it. It's it's never going to be like that again. Um, you may have been one of my favorite ones, um, atmosphere wise. Yeah, I don't think you need to knock on wood. I I really don't think it's ever going to be like that. I think even if this were to continue into next year, they figure something out um, to change it. For but sure. it's, the fair as a whole. And it was awesome. I also enjoyed the atmosphere of the game. We were able to, you know, sit down the whole time and converse normally and, and still cheer. It was it was different, but it wasn't miserable. And it wasn't like the home games have been previously for OU where it's just been depressing. Yeah. I liked also, it. Overall, great experience. So glad I went. Absolutely. The energy was there. It was great. Uh, shout out to uh, Bowden Blake for sailing on in and saying hi and making a little cameo. Agent of Chaos. <laughs> it's the U jersey. <laughs> uh, it was funny. All right. Number the three. was empty enough that you could see the little purple man. You actually, <laughs> could, see the, you actually could see the little purple man. <laughs> number three. 36 ad- seconds added onto the clock. This was almost Oregon times a thousand. Should we be mad about this even though we won? Ty, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I'm not mad. And, and it's I hate the people that like freak out about stuff like after the game, especially if you've won, like with the ref stuff. At, at some point in the Big 12, especially, you just got to realize, you know, the refs are what they are. It's a it's a factor of the game. Uh, I definitely don't agree that that was not, um, not bueno, but I'm not upset. I probably wouldn't even be you know, too upset had we lost anyways. Because, uh, you know, it's still on our team to win. You can't just add more time and it causes us to lose without us being to blame. Partially. Well, yeah, I mean, if Texas didn't score with, you know, 18 seconds left, uh, I, I would have been more upset. But, you know, like all things considered, you know, it's the eh, Big 12 refs are awful. I was frustrated in the stands at the time about it, uh, but also as like, you know, I'm probably too drunk and too upset to uh, – you know, question clock operating decisions right now. But in retrospect, yeah, no, I was totally right. That was BS. But yeah. Hey, time to let's just move on. We got the win. We got the hat for another year. Jameson, same. Yeah. I, I was in the exact same boat as you, Bobby. I had no idea what was going on, but we trust the refs to be like, okay, yeah. It would, there must have been something I missed. Totally. Like, come oh. on. I, I just how how do you put thirty six seconds back on the clock? Is there is there even like a logical reason of what how, how they were even thinking in that moment? Like why? Like what was going on through their heads? I I don't understand it. Not in the slightest bit. More than anything, it's like if whatever event caused you to put thirty six seconds on, just 
call it good and say you made a mistake, you know, put on, I don't know, 10, 15, there, there should be a limit to how many, but that's half a, that's half a, half a dang old minute. Like that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But look, hey, no. we won the game. We shouldn't be talking about it. It's all good. Let's just drop it. Uh, number four, first overtime Red River game since 1996. The very first game overtimes were allowed. Uh, that was in the John Blake era. The year before, we actually tied. So, uh, you know, things kind of – while they've been close, they've been spread out. So that was the game that John Blake won that basically uh, secured his job for three years. OU's, uh, this particular game, OU's first ever 4-OT game. Uh, so technically the longest game in OU history by uh, periods. I got to ask, though. Which overtime game do you prefer? The 2015 Tennessee Classic or the uh, 2020 Texas one? Jameson, you start. I, I honestly prefer Tennessee. Um, that's just me because that Tennessee game had way more at stake for me, and I feel like that was a coming out moment for Baker. Um, I feel like that was just a huge game in general. The atmosphere is absolutely nuts, and I understand this is a different day and age, but – an overtime game. Can, can you imagine if we had a full Cotton Bowl for this? It would have changed my answer 1,000% hearing um, Texas fans versus OU fans going through four overtimes. Tennessee, I wasn't there, but I can only imagine. Completely fair. I, I think also you know lower stakes with Texas being not great. And uh, in general, I like we mentioned when we started the podcast, it was more relief than anything. So I, I agree with you with the 15 Tennessee tie. Are you going to dissent and go uh, 2020 Texas? Well, so I don't, I was otherwise occupied in 2015. So I didn't even know like until maybe like a month and a half after the game was over. Um, I was like, well, you know, like the, like the meme, like what the fuck happened? I was like, I go to overtime with Tennessee. Um, That's true. So, we, we, we were right. Like uh, right at you. We were writing yeah. letters like, dearest Ty, the Sooners <laughs> have prevailed in Neyland yeah. Stadium. Yeah, I don't think that that was like he, – he was an unranked out-of-conference opponent. Like I don't – that should not – I don't think that that's significant. I think Texas, even when we're unranked and they're like 18 or something, um, I think that's way more significant than – you know, you can – you can say that it was, you know, a coming out moment for Baker. I Again, I've never even actually seen the game in its entirety. Um, so I didn't get the full experience, but when you just look at, you know, the bullet points out of conference unranked opponent, we were favored to win by an absurd, you know, line anyways, like us winning that in overtime is I think embarrassing, not something to, to look back on and, and be proud of this one. Uh, we all thought we were going to get blown out. Texas was ranked. We're unranked. I don't know why we were favored. Uh, we should have won you know, by 14 in regular uh, time, but, I think this one was better. This game that I saw in person is better than a game that I've never seen. This analysis in a nutshell. Totally fair. Hey, totally fair take. Totally fair take. Number five, a uh, tip of the hat to Tanner Mordecai. Um, A solid backup quarterback came in, stabilized the offense, but he didn't have to do as much as two other quarterbacks in the past 20 years. Landry Jones in 2009, almost beat the national championship bound Texas after Sam Bradford went down after the first uh, quarter, very first possession, uh, very, very solid uh, game for 
who we all affectionately called the stash. And then Jason White in 2001 uh, came in, uh, did not start that season, but came in and backed up Nate Hibble almost, or actually went through, beat Texas in a not great, I believe this, the score was 14 to three. Um, but hey, he did enough to keep OU close enough for the Superman play to happen. So shout out to Tanner Mordecai for that. All right, let's get into some OU Texas rivalry stuff. Number six, is this the last time we see Tom Herman in an OU Texas game? Uh, Jameson, I'll just start. Uh, simple as that, yes. There's no, oh. there's no conversation with it. Yes. They, 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 kicked, they kicked out all of his assistants last year, and this happens. They're going to have to do something for the rest of the season. I ain't seeing it. Usually, you know, the voice of reason here on the group – that's impressive. I I don't know. I, I don't know where Texas goes after this. So I'm gonna go go. I'm gonna go ahead and say no. Ty, do you think old uh, Tom Herman is uh, gonna head on out? Boston I'm gonna there? okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say no, but I will say, yeah. I'm I'm gonna say no, uh, and I, I will say to to Jameson, uh, you have to remember, you know, it, it is anything can happen. It's 2020. Would your opinion change if? Texas either wins the Big 12 championship or even better, it's OU in the Big 12 championship and beats them. 1,000%. Yeah, totally. Still, I just I, don't think – I just – I just no, I just don't think it's going to happen. I, oh, yeah, I, I just, no. I think. I'm going with the like, – like, yeah, definitely. It's, like, it's not like he's screwed for the rest of the season. I'm saying from what I saw and what I think Texas is going to do for the rest of the season, I just don't see it. Simple as that. I, I think this was his last shot um, this season. Is you better go out and make something big. And we just kicked out all of your off um, your assistants. Um, we'll get you a whole new squad. Let's see it. And he goes out and he loses in a game that he was very much should have won, even though he was the betting favorite. I mean, the betting underdog. They they needed to win that game. They, there was no other excuse. Do you think that no that that number one overall quarterback never number one overall player coming up soon buys him any time? Okay, so you know that's not this incoming cycle is the problem. That's another cycle moving on. That's twenty twenty two. You know, and that's that's so far from now. You never you never know what's going to happen there. Yeah. Um, so um, I mean, Absolutely. it's not. Yeah. So we'll see. About They're that. not going to keep him for two years to wait on some kid. Well, also, kid. The, the kid wanted to play for Texas anyway, so he's gonna he's gonna be there if it was um, you know I don't know my dumbass at quarter or at uh, you know head coach so at quarterback uh, at quarterback <laughs> oh boy hope y'all like five yard slants <laughs> got a lot of them the starting job is up for the taking <laughs> I'm like a, I'm like a noodle arm version of the current Drew Brees uh, all right number seven it's time we give an ode to Trill Sammy. Yes, Sam Ellinger probably is done. It is his fourth year, unless he enters the NFL draft. Actually, oh man, he might. No, be he's, still he's, done. Got, he's got free he's, eligibility. Oh no, yeah, he's coming. We still got to give an O to Trill Sammy. Is this guy an all-time OU villain? Yes, yes. There's I, no doubt about it. Uh, I don't know. He's very hateable as just period. But I think having you know, lost to every quarterback he's played. You know, you have to, you know, we can't, uh, you know, not acknowledge that he did 
win the Cotton Bowl in one of his years, and it's kind of a you know a fluke asterisk that we played him again in the the Big Twelve Championship. But I don't think he's the ultimate villain. He's definitely way more hateable than dudes like Colt McCoy. But you know, looking back, he's one in five against OU. That's not a very you know significant villain. At least like you know Darth Vader killed like younglings and stuff. Well, some other well, Jedi. Like, like villains have villain- to be. You have to at least think that they can win. Like, they have to be scary. You can't just hate them. I don't know, dude. Like, think about a bunch of, like, you know, superhero movies. Like, villains don't usually win. That's just kind of how it is. Well, yeah, but, like... (laughs) And that's my thing about about Sam Ellinger. I I, I put him at about, I don't know, eight out of six, you know, Peter Gardeers here. uh, Because he's the perfect blend of capable but defeatable. Because, He's not you know, even as much of a villain as like Swiper from Dora. <laughs> I don't know about that. Here's the Swiper thing. like steals stuff about half the time. Ty, well, Ty, let me say this: the, the one thing keeping him from being Swiper and being garbage is the fact that he beat us once, and the fact that his play style is the exact type of quarterback that has like plagued us uh, for the past twenty years. You know that running quarterback, that tough style. That's exactly the type of guy that beats us. So. It's not like it's this intense – I wouldn't call it a rivalry, but the guy is a nuisance. You know, he had that obviously incredibly whiny, like, you know, um, you know, thing about the horns down and, you know, then, the, you know, you know, hey, you know, Long Nation, we're back. So he, he's worth the hate, but he's also beatable, and that's fun. Uh, also, got, got a note, were the OU fans in the end zone too mean by saying he, uh, you know – S S D there. Uh, Ty, as a student yourself, I want you to answer for your crimes against uh, sportsmanship in college football. No, I don't think. I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's probably true, honestly. Uh, actually. But I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Not that that's a bad thing. It's 2020, you know. So it's just, uh-huh. I'm I'm in tie with the mute block there, Jameson. Um, so, uh, what, what what's your take on on that? Because again, I think look, if LSU fans said that, no one would bat an eye. But a couple of OU fans, you know, rowdy, drunk off some cheap beer. Do you think they they crossed the line there? I don't want to get into this. This is a rivalry game. Fans say whatever. The beer was nine dollars. <laughs> You know they're drinking yeah. hams before. Uh, that's I don't true. know. Just quick programming note on StreamYard. I don't know when why you mute me. I can unmute myself. That <laughs> is like that, that's like that's an issue. <laughs> I could just remove you, but I, I give you like a little half there. Um, anyways, he, look, I, it's a rivalry game. If Texas had the tunnel, they'd be doing the exact same thing to Kyler after we lost to them. Let's. Let's let's be let's not be ridiculous. Yeah, it was classless, but you know what? It's college football. And you know what college has? College kids. They're idiots. I wouldn't say that, but you know what? Let's not act like these are like grown adults, like yelling at these kids. You know, th- these are just a bunch of dumbasses. You know, hammered off their ass, having a good time. Let's let's calm. The, let's back it up. Let's back it up. It's Tell it's in his to right to be offended, and, and honestly, and there's nothing to kind of go at because it's like you said it's college college kids so there's no wrong in either if he if he wants to be offended go for it 
happy. And that's the, that's the whole part of being cocky. That's the part of being bold. That's the part of saying you're back after you win a meaningless Sugar Bowl game or whining about, you know, a hand gesture is you're opening yourself up to get blown up by everyone else when you fail. That's part of it. You know, that's just a part of sports. Come on now. Like, why do we have to be all soft towards him? Because he's sad and was the only one to do the alma mater. Like, let's grow up. Come on. This is, this is, uh, this is called football. Uh, anyways, moving on. Number eight. Has there ever been a more welcome bye week? These past three weeks have been brutal. Uh, thankfully, we're not 0-3. But good Lord, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm excited to just relax, watch other college football games, just chill out. Uh, guys, are you excited for the bye week? Yeah, I am. It's, it's going to be nice. It's going to be weird. My Chargers are on bye this week too. So, But I bet you, just thinking about the coaching staff, I bet you Alex Grinch is so tired. Um, he's definitely going to need this. For people that don't know, we're trying to figure out a number eight on our big eight. And um, Ty says Alex Grinch is tired instead of fired and i was like you know what that actually makes sense this is like i would be so tired if i was going to have to deal with choking and choking Why and choking uh, our, our program yeah we, we were like discussing this in our program i wanted so, a recurring uh, segment each week on why he should be fired that week but i typoed it and ruined it <laughs> I, I was just like, what should our next point be? And Ty goes, Alex Grinch should be tired. And I'm like, I'm glad you care about his well-being, man. He should be very tired. I, I know I certainly am watching this wild, wild, stupid team. But uh, shoot, I don't know. I would be tired, too, because his, his play calling is on. It's What he should be fired for is his inability to bench people that don't execute. It's you, too. It's you he too. does everything right. It's just the people that are supposed to do it. Just, anyways. Ah, uh, yeah. Ty, excited for the bye week. Yeah. Cool. Uh, <laughs> all right. Look, it's been a wild, wild week talking about Texas. Look, this is the longest solo pod we've done in a long time. But you know what? I think there's still one more thing. There's a lot of stuff to talk about still outside of the game. And Jameson, I think you're pretty hyped to talk about it. And I think, honestly, after the past three weeks of madness and stress and talking about how bad we've been and talking about, about all this stuff, I think we need to take a trip back to a place we hadn't been in a while. What do you say? Please. <laughs> what do you say? Very nice. Hit it. David, yes. what is this, David? This is a rooted corner with Jamison. Everybody dancing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, honestly, I really didn't have much to say for the past couple of weeks, but all of a sudden things have just gone off. Um, like I alluded to, uh, Luther Burden, the second best wide receiver in the country and five-star wide receiver in the 2022 class. Um, so not this coming class, but the following committed to OU out of St. Louis. Great get. Like I said, that's going to squeeze this wide receiver room so much more to where um, it's going to put some stress on a lot of 
um, top-ranked guys that OU's going after. Um, in this class, Caleb Burton, the number one um, wide receiver in the country, is very interesting to OU. And Taylor Chetron from Edmond Santa Fe, you know, very interesting to OU. We've already got two wide receivers currently in this class. You know, we can only take so many. So it's, it's honestly great to see us get the number two overall wide receiver in the class already at this point. And then the biggest news is – before the Texas game last week, Billy Bowman, one of the best recruits, near five-star athlete um, from Texas, decommitted from Texas. Um, and it was big news because his girlfriend is committed to play softball at OU. Um, and I guess he sees something like it's going to be pretty serious and they'll still date in college because now he's trending hard for OU. Um, he's projected to play wide receiver for us but we're kind of recruiting him um, with all of our staff, um, kind of let him come in as an athlete. Um, most of the time, if you're getting the choice to play wide receiver or D-back and you're coming to a year, you're probably going to want to play wide receiver. But this is going to be huge, huge for us, especially if we don't think we're going to get a Mecca Egbuka. Um, you know, we thought that uh, he being the number one wide receiver in the country would be a really, really good get but it's just so hard to get him on campus whenever he's in Washington and we're in Oklahoma. And it's, it's not, not going to happen if we can't do official visits where we can pay for his visit here um, all the way through. They've canceled official visits all the way into the new year. So honestly, this is a great, great get if it materializes and he commits to us. He actually, as we're recording, he posted his top three um, Texas is no longer in it and it's OU, Georgia and LSU. I believe I saw. Um, and I think we're far and away the leader for it. I, I just don't see him decommitting from Texas and not going to the place that his girlfriend's going to. So honestly, really looking good for OU moving forward with Billy Bowman. I wish I could tell you more about some other people, but really, you know, recruiting's pretty slow. There's not much going on. Tristan Lee, I still feel good about, you know, shootout with LSU does not hurt at all. Um, whenever we're doing bad this season, the LSU is doing even worse and losing to Missouri. So all in all, looking pretty good for us moving forward. Absolutely. And, you know, LSU, again, if you're a recruit, just recruit, like, just, or just join LSU about three, four years before they have a national championship in uh, New Orleans and you're set. Like, that's it. You know, LSU will just win one then. But, hey, I like Tristan Lee. The guy looks fantastic. Uh, obviously the Bowman thing is pretty fan, pretty, you know, solid. So, uh, and more than anything, it's, it just feels good to have a good recruiting week when OU was as down as they were, because this is as bad as it's been. Um, again, since 1999, never lost two straight games. So, uh, you know, pretty solid to still be doing good on the recruiting front. Um, anyways, that's about all we have, believe it or not, after an hour and 10 minutes. So thank you all so much for listening. We all really, really appreciate it. Uh, obviously, how did, obviously, it's not the same as it used to be. This is our first season doing this where we're not in the hunt of, uh, for the playoffs. But we really love having you all listen. So yeah, keep it up. We'll keep up the good uh, content and whatnot. So make sure to stay subscribed. Give, give us some five stars. And uh, thanks for listening. So. Jameson, Ty, any last thoughts before we move on into the bye week? Not at all. Yeah, it it appears there are no takes. No, Uh, 
Okay, cool. Hook them. Uh, <sighs> I guess we're back with that. Anyways, <laughs> we will have a pick em pod uh, coming up down the pipe in a couple days. Pick them. Pick them. Don't stop. Pick them. Don't stop. Pipeline, keep going. Our picks will keep going. Our our picks are too fire to stop, folks. So uh, yeah. Oh, way too fire. So until then. This has been the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me, as always, Jameson. Ty. We will see you next time. Boomer Sooner. Enjoy the bye week. <laughs>